You know, the yeah. moment he starts talking about, like, dating his sister in a past life. And also had a Nazi symbol on his arm. Get out of there. Sounds like a bad date. I know, right? Man, I've been through a couple. Hey guys, I am Arden. And I am Will. And guess what? You're listening to our new podcast, Crash, Crash on, on My, my couch. couch. A one-stop shop for anyone in their 20s trying to figure things out. On this week's episode, we talk about creative ways we would break up. Will considers nude performance art. And we even tell you how to escape a bad date. All fun things. All fun things. That will be on this podcast right now. It's coming up. It's coming up. Thanks to Audible for supporting Crash on My Couch. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com slash crash. Remember, go to audible.com slash crash and get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Thanks, Audible. Well, hello there, guys, and welcome to Crash on My Couch. It's pretty exciting. This is our first episode. We're pretty much super stoked to just share all of our wonderful knowledge as 20-something-year-olds to you guys. <laughs> and, like, this isn't something that's just for people in their 20s, but uh, anyone who survived this awkward decade can pretty much tell us how to get through this as well. For those of you who don't know who we are, totally fine and dandy and understandable. Uh, we are both YouTubers. Woo! Uh, and we've been doing that for, for a couple years now. Um, yeah. YouTubers are a weird breed of people that post videos on YouTube. That boils it down. Yeah, they... We just love making content online for our viewers. We love connecting with people online. And that's kind of the basis of our jobs. Yeah. And so we, we've been doing that for a couple of years. And now we're in a position where we kind of want to do other things. And we both really love podcasts. Yeah. We loved Serial way back in the day. Serial was like what probably got most people hooked to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. But especially us. We started listening to Serial season one and we were like, excuse me? Yeah. What's happening? Um, we listen to Night Vale sometimes. Night Vale. Cool podcast. Oddly enough, we listen to Night Vale when we're about to go to sleep, which sounds like a bad combination. <laughs> if you've ever listened to Night Vale, you'll understand why. But it's kind of like a horror anthology, but not really. It's really good. And then you listen to... Oh, my one of my favorite podcasts. My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Yeah. Maybe Bob, so, I think, or something like that. But anyways, we, we have always had kind of like a passion for listening to podcasts. And we decided that, you know we might be able to take a swing at that. And we felt like it was a good way to connect with our existing audience of listeners and viewers and kind of, you know, stretch out a little bit and see if anybody else wants to. Yeah. The the problem of kind of what we've been doing recently on, on YouTube is that, you know, it's traditionally videos on YouTube are a couple minutes long, five minutes long, six minutes long. And we wanted to try something a little bit longer. So yeah. this is just Another avenue to explore. And we just love having a chat. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we hope we're going to enjoy it. I think I'm already enjoying it. I think I am too. Good for you. But we're here to help you learn things as quickly and as efficiently as possible here. Yes. So, so obviously when we're talking about conspiracy theories or how crazy Japan is, this is integral knowledge. Yeah. Obviously. Very important. <laughs> you need to know it. But more than that, it's fun to know. And that's what we want to share with this with this podcast is the things that we think are fun and engaging, you know, whether that's about love, sex, dating, whatever it is on top of the conspiracy theories. We want all of this to translate. Yeah, to translate and be fun for you just as much as it's fun for us. And just as much as we'll sit at home having these conversations, we figured we should share them with you guys. Yes. They can be quite fun. You know. Yes, fun. We're fun people, and we want to be. We're fun and we're quirky, so love us. <laughs> That's all we're saying. By the way, if you want to be involved in this at all, we really want to hear all of your opinions, all your stories. You can check out our email, crash on my couch show at gmail dot com, or you can call us and leave a message at four two four two six two six eight two four, which is four two four two six couch. If you didn't know that, nice. I know. Did you see nice. that slide in? That was that was cool. Yeah, we're we're gonna be using a lot of the things that you guys send us in portions of this podcast. So, yes. So you get to be directly involved in the craziness that is this podcast. We actually already have tons of voicemails and emails, and I'm so excited. We'll share them at the end of this 
episode. So get stoked. You might hear your voice by the end of this. So yeah, we have a lot of exciting stuff that we want to talk about on this podcast. But to really kick it off, let's talk about one of our favorite things, which is conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. I'm like obsessed with discussing conspiracy theories, whether it's like flat earth theories or Nazis in the middle of the earth theories. Yeah, hollow earth theories. Hollow earth theories. We love conspiracy theories. So let's, let's take, take a trip, trip to Conspiracy Camp. The Pixar theory is basically a theory that presents the idea that all the Pixar films take place in the same universe, in the same linear universe. Okay. So how do you connect each of the movies? Well, I'll tell you. So the theory stems from this guy that came up with this theory, but really it comes from these Easter eggs which are spread out through the different Pixar films. Mm. So some Pixar films have different references to other Pixar films. Right. So like in uh, Toy Story... There's a Pizza Planet truck. And then in A Bug's Life, there's another Pizza Planet truck. So all these, like, reoccurring themes. There's, like, tokens that are throughout yeah. the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I just, since I, I do love Ratatouille, and that's the main movie that I want to talk about all the time, there's, like, five or six Easter eggs from throughout the Pixar universe that are just in Ratatouille. Yeah. So they sprinkle them pretty abundantly. Like, I didn't realize this, but Bomb Voyage... Mr. Incroyable from, you know, that that guy, the wonderful guy, my favorite villain. Yeah. Uh, he's in Ratatouille doing a box mime routine. Sure. And then gets really pissed off when Ratatouille, like, gets water on him. Yeah. And and that is amazing because he could, he could theoretically be angry about that and then go on to become a bombing robber called Bomb Voyage. Yeah. So there are some, like, overarching Easter eggs that are throughout the entire universe. Yeah. And then yeah. there are also specific ones, yeah. like a stuffed animal that might appear in, I don't know, sure. like Monsters, Inc. that is from Toy Story. Yeah, so there are some strong links between all the films. Right, right, right. Very cool. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So basically the, the premise is, is that um, all the Pixar films actually take place in the same universe. Similar to, like, a Marvel DC yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. So that's That's the vibe. And they are all in, they all take place in a different chronological order. Okay. So the films um, take place over the course of like, I think it's like 100 years or like 200 years. What? That's the idea. Yeah. So the first film, which apparently is in the timeline, is Brave. Wait a second. Which was in the 40s. Well, I mean, that's true though, right? Because that's like a medieval witch. So apparently that's the first film, and that takes place in the 14th to 15th century. Okay. And that takes place in medieval Scotland. Okay. And that introduces us to the concept of animals being personified as humans. Oh, Uh, which is very Pixar. And by the way, this theory is up on uh, John Negroni, uh, his site. So that's johnnegroni.com. And I guess he came up with this theory, and it's gone like mega viral. Oh wow! Oh, so he there was one OG person that was like, yeah, hold up, think, I've cracked the code. Yeah, and then I think people have added, like added to it and fleshed it out. But like, it kind of makes sense, and it, it stems from the idea that um, there are different Pixar characters in different Pixar films. So like, there are Easter eggs hidden in different films, basically. right? Because I've seen like the thing where like. I don't know, there's a stuffed animal of Sully in Toy Story yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, I've seen that. But I thought that was just, like, Pixar being quirky. Well, the weird thing is, is, like, um, there are uh, Easter eggs in films which haven't come out yet. If you look what? at, like, just for an example, a Wally toy in the first Monsters, Inc. film or something like that. So, like, no. they've, they've already planned ahead. I think the rule is, like, the next film... The next film in advance, they put an Easter egg in the, the previous film, if that makes sense. So, like, oh, okay. one film ahead. Right. So, good, was Good Dinosaur the last Pixar? What was the last Pixar film um, that came out? Man, I don't know. Was it, oh, Finding Dory? Was that was the last Was Finding one? Dory the last one? I think that was it. Cause, okay, because it was Good Dinosaur, then Finding Dory? Yeah, I think so. Am I, am I crazy? Does that sound right? No, that sounds right. Okay, so would there have been an Easter egg then in Good Dinosaur for Finding yeah, Dory? Yeah, I, I would guess so. Okay, that's the yeah. logic. Okay, So, that's, that's where it comes from. Anyway, there's, the whole timeline is, so it starts off with Brave, mm-hmm. then we go in to The Incredibles in the 1950s and 60s, uh, and that introduces the idea of a self-serving AI, as we see developed by the Omnidroid and Syndrome's inventions. So similar to like a Wally or an Eve. Yeah, so there's that huge like machine in The Incredibles which like starts taking over everything, and it, it like 
it doesn't mess up and then it like starts taking over everything like syndrome's not controlling it anymore. it's an ai it goes, it's like, like self-aware yeah yeah, yeah 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 uh and then that goes into the 90s which is toy story yay in Toy Story, we witnessed the first signs of life found in inanimate objects, possibly due to zero-point energy. What? Yeah. Wait, so there's, like, a scientific argument So basically, for... like, it all stems from, like... So it starts off... So we have Brave, and we see, like, how animals are kind of becoming self-aware and brave. And then in The Incredibles, we see how machines are becoming, like, kind of self-aware. Okay. And then we get to Toy Story... And um, in ob- inanimate yeah. objects are yeah. now aware. Basically, that's okay. the idea. So okay. then we get to Toy Story 2, um, and then we get to Finding Nemo, and it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And it basically gets up to the point where um, animals become like coexistent with humans. So, like in Ratatouille, for example. like Best movie ever. 10 out of 10 would recommend yeah. binging Ratatouille every yeah, day. Yeah, Ratatouille is the best. Yeah, it's my favorite film. Um, and then, like, in Up as well, the dog, like, talks no. to, to everyone. So it's, like, yeah. about how animals become, like, more intelligent, basically. Okay. And then um, throughout all of these films, there's this thing called the B&L. B&L is basically a corporation within the Pixar world. Because I've seen that in Incredibles. Doesn't doesn't the dad work at B&L so, or something? So B&L, like, it's in Up, and it's the company which are trying to take over the house in Up. Ooh. And okay, also, so they're typically, like, the bad guys. Yeah, so they're, like, this big, crazy corporation. And they're also, like, on stuff like the batteries in Toy Story. So, like, there's bits where you see batteries and they have the B&L logo on them. So B&L are kind of this, like, corporation which, like, run a bunch of different things. And they're across several different universes. Right. Or the, several different time frames. So they've probably... Have they been around since... Not since Brave Time, then? No, no, no. They're just, like, a... I think they're just like a, a modern day industrial company. Okay, okay. Uh, and the, the most notable thing is when they are responsible for taking all the people off Earth in Wally and putting them on that giant <gasps> ship. Oh, and that's, that's the BNL. Oh, okay. So the idea is, is like the world becomes so polluted, perhaps because of BNL, that they put them on the ship. And then, because the world is so polluted and messed up, basically it what happens is is cars take <laughs> no yeah. no so, don't involve cars into this so cars <laughs> cars fits into this so, this is where you lose me <laughs> uh so after the events of up bnl proceeds to take over the world as credited by the commercial we see in wally they take over the world by providing a way to meet the needs of every human all the time leading to relentless consumerism culture um so people go away, and the Earth becomes run by cars, basically. That's How, the idea. Uh, okay, so, okay, 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 okay. So what I'm seeing is there's a timeline of, first, animals become sentient. Would love if that happened. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be great. Uh, then it's AI technology that becomes self-aware. Yeah. Uh, then it's inanimate objects, and with that comes cars. Yeah, so that's kind of the premise. <laughs> like, it's set, cars are set in the time where there's no humans on the planet because they're all in this ship. Okay, so while everyone is being like a fat, lumpy human yeah. in the Wally universe, yeah. Lightning McQueen is tearing up the tracks. Yes. Okay. Lightning okay, McQueen okay. is tearing up the tracks. <laughs> okay, I'm making sure I'm following this correctly. Okay. Okay. Okay, you're, you're still with me. I am with you. Okay, so then what happens is is the humans go back to Earth, which we see at the end of Wally. Spoilers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and they then... enslave the car universe. Yeah, so. Wait, am I right? I was completely joking. <laughs> well. I guess what happens is, is like the cars eventually die out, and so when what? they because well, from up to Wally, there are like hundreds of years between that time period. Apparently, really, I mean, it makes sense because the world's become like overrun. It's super po- like overpopulated and like polluted, so they have to put the people on this ship. So there's like hundreds of years between that, and also it's really futuristic. Like, yeah, in Wally, it's super futuristic. Yeah, so. In that time, cars are meant to have taken over the world <laughs> over the course of hundreds of years. That makes me... And they die out. That, and that's the idea. Oh, that makes me so happy. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, a primitive car society huddled around a fire for some reason. Yeah. Like, oh, man. The Lightning McQueen. I love it. I love it. I want to hear about their heritage. Yeah. What a so, beautiful people. I basically, they... The cars die out. Humans return back to Earth. Do we know why, though? Was there, like, an apocalypse? Was I, there, like, a car apocalypse? I think it's, like, there's, like, a shortage of oil or something. No! Which, is, <laughs> which they see in Cars 2. Like, there are all these, like, really, like, tiny, random things which 
they kind of all add up to a to But a dude, universe. wouldn't the electric cars just take over? Tesla would just take over. The Teslas, the Teslas of the world. Would yeah, take over. I mean, I get it. It's their own universe, so sure, oil or oil shortage works for me. Yeah, yeah. and then this is the crazy thing. So none of this humans, was crazy. No, no, this is like the really <laughs> like batshit crazy thing. Okay. So um, humans come back to Earth, and this is when a bug's life takes place. I was wondering where that fit in. Yeah. So the, like animals are now like becoming more human because in a bug's life they they have like their own society and their own community whereas prior to that like animals weren't as like aware as they are in a bug's life that's kind of the idea okay well yeah because there weren't like dog packs all getting together yeah although ratatouille did there's like there's like carnivals in bug's life (laughs) like they have bugs dancing and singing like there's this whole crazy world (laughs) oh my god Um, i need to watch pixar films again yeah so (laughs) Then cuts like a thousand years later in the distant future, animals have evolved to replace humans as the dominant species to the point where humans are completely forgotten. They have now become human-like monsters. Um, oh monsters no, Inc. don't even. With their what own civilization mean? on future Earth. Oh, come on. Like they've morphed, like they've evolved into monsters. You, the you, you, the Monsters University was founded in 1313, which means the monster civilization bases their calendar over a thousand years in the past. Without humans, however, the monsters have no source of energy. They create machines to use doors as a means of time travel. But I thought there were humans in that universe. So, this is the big, the big crazy Boo, reveal. Boo is a human. So apparently the doors that they go into make them time travel. What? So they're not just like average doors going into different like universes. They're doors going back into the past. So when Sully and everyone are going back into the doors, they're going back to when humans were at the peak of their civilization, like thousands of years before. Okay. Then this is the way to tie it all up. This is the big crazy thing. Boo, who of course is the girl Monsters Inc. Who um, the protagonist? The protagonist with her and Sully. Yeah. She basically becomes obsessed with trying to find Sully again, and she realizes she can time travel through these doors, and she becomes the witch in Brave. So she goes back in time, thousands of years, and is the witch in Brave. But why? Why does that serve a purpose? So it's relevant because in Brave, there are carvings she's done of Sully on the walls. What? But why? Why and would she go back she's that made, far? She's made toy, like some of the carvings on the table are the Pizza Planet truck. So it's like she has seen all this stuff and she's trying to find magic to find Sully. That's the premise. So, but she she go, she gets old and crazy. Yeah. Because she, she travels to the time, time period of Brave and becomes a witch obsessed with wood, which is the source of what makes the doors travel in time. She turns people into bears using the magic of the Will-O-Wisp and contains a picture of Sully in her workshop. And that is the Pixar theory. I don't Have know that. what to think about that. Have that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, because growing up, one of my favorite things about Pixar was that they did add Easter eggs into everything. Because yeah. I could be like, oh, my God, Mom, it's silly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I it's love- really clever. Yeah, I love Toy Story 3. Um, but that always just was like ingenuity to me. Like, I, I thought it was just like like an extra little sprinkle on top of the Sunday that is a Pixar movie. I didn't realize that... Do you really think, do you, Will Darbyshire, think that it is supposed to be, like, this big kind of, like, apocalyptic... Universe. Universe um, that's, that's I don't happened. think... Like, I mean, you can take it two different ways. You, I think, like, the most obvious thing would be, like, oh, they just sprinkled on these Easter eggs for fun, for, for people watching. Cute, cute and quirky. Um... But then this universe thing takes it to a whole nother level. level. But, you know, it's funny because they recently put on their, I think on their Facebook page or on their YouTube channel, they um, made a video with all their conspiracy theories. Like, they did it themselves. Pixar did. Yeah, they put all their, like, the Easter eggs and films into a video. So they're proving, like, that there is, there is like, this connection. underlying connection between all of them. Yeah. That's and people really were freaking out about it. Like, uh, I think this was, like, uh, a couple weeks, a couple months back, people were you know, talking about it again because they effectively were, like, confirming it to some degree. Crazy. Yeah. I, the part that really kind of loses it for me... Well, there are a couple... Is when cars take over the world? Well, I mean, maybe that part. Maybe that part. Yeah. Or when toys start talking. Yeah. Or when 
Boo goes back in time and becomes a witch, yeah. stuck in another time period. Yeah. That, Wouldn't that be that crazy too. if that actually was all planned? That would be pretty nuts and pretty like I don't I don't know. There would have to be some kind of continuity with all the writers to just know that that's what was going on because they don't. Does Pixar use the same writers all the time? Is it everyone writing? Like, there's no way that they're all writing the same things. Well, apparently, um, the Pixar, like, apparently there was this meeting, like, uh, 10, 15 years ago, I guess, when Pixar first died, where they all gathered around this table and they came up with the first, like, five ideas for Pixar. Oh, this is confirmed. This is something that actually happened. Yeah, I think this is, like, fact that they all kind of gathered and they had these five ideas, and one of them was Toy Story, one of them was A Bug's Life, um... One of them would have been like the Incredibles, and they all had these ideas. And so they all, so I guess they they know ahead of time which idea is going to be made next. And so in the current film they're making, they can put things in to add to it. So it is really crazy because you watch all these old films, and you're like, how are they aware of the fact that this was this other film is coming out a couple of years later? Yeah, and they've obviously already got like the model of it in the film. It's really weird. Yeah, some poor intern. Pretty cool. Is having to make sure that all the, the connections are are clear yeah <laughs> some yeah. poor intern is like there's not enough of toy story and ratatouille we have to find some way to add a woody doll in the corner of the kitchen so yeah. they know it's the same universe so we've chatted a lot about pixar which i don't think is a bad thing i love talking about pixar but one thing that you could do to help you with your pixar knowledge is maybe download an audiobook about pixar good good choice choice thanks i don't know what happened to my brain then but good choice thanks and for our audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Just go to audible.com slash crash and browse the unmatched selection of audio content, download the title free, and start listening. It's that easy. Solid, solid, solid. On top of that, shameless plug here, you can listen to Almost Adulting on Audible. Yeah, girl, which is really exciting. But you can absolutely listen to it on Audible. And you should, because I actually recorded the audiobook. It is my own voice for seven hours. Great. So, so if you haven't had enough of Arden's voice, you can go <laughs> listen to seven hours of it. So that's that. I know that's what you want to do. Yeah. Why else that's would you be dating I me? I go to sleep at night. I just put that on and I go off to bed. Drift off. Yeah. Another book that's so good for just, like, listening to on the go, especially if you're, like, grocery shopping or running around, is The Undoing Project. Mm. It's one of my favorite audiobooks. It's just, like, this really crazy book that delves into the human mind because it's about these two, like, Israeli philosophers who basically get to the root about why we make decisions as human beings. And I don't know why it's very therapeutic to listen to, like... (laughs) in a long car drive you know i go through a lot of traffic in la for some reason that really like high level psychology is soothing like my troubles aren't so Mm. bad after all yeah so i would highly recommend listening to that one it's a really really good one but ultimately you should be listening to my book you gotta listen to almost adulting guys it's my voice it's an exciting time you should definitely listen to it there's a lot of great chapters in there there's a whole chapter about sex which is always good you know, it's always good to get new information. That's all I'm saying. But either way, you can get a free audiobook with 30-day free trial at audible.com slash crash. That's audible.com slash crash. If you want to go listen to Almost Adulting, please do. I would love it. Thank you very much. You know, I always thought that uh, working at Pixar would be, like, the best job in the entire world. Yeah. Um, but I think that we could find one better. And that leads me into our next segment, which is... That's a job? That's a job. Ah, That's That's a a job. job. Okay, so we have a segment that is one of my personal favorites because we get to talk about crazy jobs. Crazy jobs. Crazy jobs. Basically, in our day and age, it is okay to have the weirdest job on the planet and still make pretty good money doing it. And so we've just been kind of exploring what it means to have an interesting or weird job. Yes. But there's one person that has kind of my favorite weird job ever. And the job itself is a performance artist. A performance artist. Yes, which if you don't know what a performance artist is, it is basically someone who gets paid – well, not always paid. Sometimes it's unpaid work. Well, it's in the title. You're creating art but on a kind of performance basis. Yes. So instead of like – painting Mona Lisa 
you're showing yourself on stage painting the painting. It's not about the painting. It's about the act of painting. Yeah. If that makes it's sense. It's you. It's the artist doing something to illustrate yes, something. Absolutely. So physically, if, for instance, performance art could be you clapping for six hours. Yeah. That's legitimately what performance art. Like could Shia be. LaBeouf did that performance art where he sat in the cinema for was it like a week, a couple of days, and watched all of his films. He starred in back to back. Yeah. Even the Even Stevens movie. Yeah, and he, so, he stood in like an elevator for two days or something. And just went up and down and an elevator. just went up and down and spoke to people. Yeah, anyone could get on the elevator. And so, he, he, I mean, I would consider him a performance artist. Yeah. So with that being said, obviously this is a very weird job. I think one of the people that has made it the weirdest of jobs and yeah. the most interesting of jobs. Like definitely not just, this isn't negative weird. This yeah. is like, I'm glad this is around. Yeah. It's so weird. The one person that I feel like really nails it on the head is Marina Abramovic. Which or Marina Abramovich. Abramovich. I don't we know. Don't, it might we don't be know. It's one or the other. She is a performance artist that has be, has really come into her own. And someone made a documentary based on her yeah. entire yeah, performance we watched, we watched artist that last career. Week. Yeah, and it's either called "The Artist Is Present" or "The Artist Is In." It's the artist is present. Is it the artist is present? Okay, it's the artist is present. It's what Will said. But if you haven't seen it before, it's a it's a treat. Yeah, on my on my film course. Uh, university we did a thing called performance art and like we had to look at like performance artists and film can i interrupt real quickly yeah. did you have to make a performance art piece and can i find it on the internet i did have to make an experimental art piece did you did, were you naked actually the course was. were you naked i was not naked what but, were you doing you know you know in 500 days of summer there's that expectation and reality thing mm -hmm. where it like cuts between the two i made like a little film Looking at the different things to do that. Damn, I just wanted to see you. Like, oh, yeah, yell I wasn't at a naked wall. and like dancing and like on fire or something. Oh my god! Well, now we know what your next video is going to be. Um, but either way, back to Marina. Yeah. So she, uh, I was made to watch this documentary reluctantly, and I was like, oh god, this is going to be, be like artsy, fancy, pretentious nonsense. And then um, we watched it, and it was amazing. And she is amazing. And then jump ahead to like what last week I made you watch it because I like suddenly remembered it. And, yeah, she's just this performance artist who's basically, like, renowned for doing weird, different pieces. For example, she did an art piece where she stood in a doorway, naked, with another person. And she let people, like, brush up in between her and this person. Wasn't it to do with, like, naked bodies and, like, feeling awkward around people who are naked? And, like, feeling yeah. secure and insecure and... It's literally it's two, like two sandwich people. It, yeah, you're like you're like trying to squeeze for a sandwich. Well, it's like, it's like when you're at a party and there's a very narrow hallway and there are the two drunk people on either side of the hallway and you just have to kind of eek past them, but those drunk people are just naked and staring at you. Yeah. So that's the act. That's the performance art. Is these two people that you have to squeeze between. You become part of the performance art, which is kind of a cool thing too as a participant. But by the end of it, it's supposed to be kind of what I'm assuming. Yeah is a commentary on how in our day and age we're uncomfortable with nudity, even though we ourselves were naked human beings at yeah. one point. Honestly, it's probably also about gender inequality. How, how uncomfortable people feel just around naked people. Yeah, in general, nudity. Uh, and, and she seems to really like naked things. Like I guess this one just being free of your body. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of just like going back to your innate human nature, which I really like because I'm not, I'm not one of those people that like lazes around the house like naked all the time or am i no i don't really do that <laughs> mostly in my underwear but i can appreciate someone who's so okay with themselves that they'll run into a wall naked for six hours yeah in front of other people because that's what she does that is legitimately one of her other performance pieces is her just running into a wall naked you know it's a great exercise yeah so another thing that's interesting a lot of her performance art was with her ex-boyfriend who was also a performance artist and that's i think what makes me so interested in this story is that ultimately the biggest performance art she had was her love with her boyfriend mm. because even that's the, big that's a big line honestly it's i mean <laughs> it's catchy that's all i'm saying <laughs> i should be her pr person one of the biggest performance art pieces that when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is the most epic thing I've ever seen. She had the most epic breakup with her boyfriend ever. Yeah. Ever. Like if you ever want to break up with someone or you feel like, how do I do this in the most spectacular way I possibly can other than like lighting his house on fire, look up her breakup video because what it is, <laughs> is her and her boyfriend standing on the Great Wall of China in the very center of the Great Wall of China. 
and no, walk. No, it was even bigger than that. They started on opposite ends of the Great Wall of China. <gasps> and they come together. Okay, I could backtrack, backtrack. So they walked backtrack, the entire, backtrack. like, course of the Great Wall, and then they got to the middle point, and then when they got to the middle point, they, like, hugged, and then they went the opposite ways and didn't speak again. So did they walk all the way from the edges to the center? Yeah. Hug, then turn and walk all the way to the I edges I don't know. I again. think they probably just walked and left at that point. They were but like, yeah. we already did this trek. We already walked like yeah, a million miles to get here. But then, what does that mean? What's the what's the feeling behind that? Is I that don't know. you have to walk a mile in these Louboutins for this relationship? It's weird. You know what I mean? I guess what's interesting about it is, I guess you're that entire time you're getting closer, closer to that person. You must just be thinking about the relationship and like reflecting on stuff. And then you get to that point, and it's just like boom. Oh my god! But the the documentary which we watched is about her new art piece, which was a MoMA. In New York, and it was basically her in a room for three months, at, sat at a table, and you can go and visit her and sit opposite her. And she's there free, for three months on the seat; she can't move, and she just like stares blankly at you when you sit down in front of her. Right. And people would like come and sit down opposite her, and they, she would like look at them, and they would just start crying. People would like have uncontrollable emotions with her just looking at them. Yeah, and you can see it all in the documentary, which is. Like the really fascinating part, because I guess I guess the idea is that you bring emotion and feeling into art. Like she's meant experience. to be like kind of like a mirror, isn't she? Yeah. Well, she's supposed to be like a painting. Like you know, when you go to see a painting, all the experiences that you have and the reason why you react to like a Van Gogh painting is because of your past experiences. You're mirroring whatever your emotions are yeah. onto a painting, regardless yeah. of what it looks like. So the idea is this is just a blank human face. You can add anything to it. Yeah. And so these people come in, they cry, they laugh, you know, do whatever. There was one woman <laughs> who just decides to get naked. Yeah. Well, she said she was like, I, I just want to be as naked as... Um, as open and, and naked as Marina is to her yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being... she was thrown out. And then she and then she was, like, really confused as to why she's being thrown out. She was like, it's what? Like, I wait, can't wait. sit here naked <laughs> in this posh art gallery? I can't do that. With children around? With children, yeah, watching me. Like, I can't you, get away with that. art? No, yeah. I think, I think, like, the problem with her was that she clearly wanted to be a part of art, not view art she seemed a little bit narcissistic but there's also a really cool part where her boyfriend may or may not go and visit her i don't want to ruin that part because that's really fun yeah but she she is an amazing woman and her job is just if you look at it is really really bizarre the stuff she does is really bizarre but it's almost like she's a social therapist she's like an anthropological therapist i love it yeah she takes performance art to a new level where i feel like it's a very human performance art yeah she is very closely entwined with yelling and nakedness. Yeah. I think with a lot of performance art, sometimes you can watch it and you'd be like, I don't know why they've done that. But with her, I feel like when she does something, I'm like, I know exactly what you're trying to get out. You know, that entire thing kind of to me is just an example of what I want art to look like. Like, Mm. I just, I love what she does. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's absolutely amazing. If you want to find more of Marina's work, you can check out her Facebook page and her website. She's also got a great institute called the Marina Abramovic uh, Institute, or MAI, that features a lot of her Abramovic-type artwork. Um, and if you want to see the documentary, it's available on Hulu, YouTube, Amazon, and we'll also include those links in the show notes. Very good. I'm, I'm trying to think if we would ever do like a naked art display together. Right. The answer is no. No, probably wouldn't do a naked art display, would be. No, although if we ever break up, I think we should walk across the Great Wall of China. Great Wall of China. I do think we should do that. Mm. Speaking of weird jobs and uh, all things that are weird, that segues into our next segment, which is... Hey, we all feel weird sometimes. Hey, we feel weird sometimes. Sometimes. That was just terrible. Yeah. So if you didn't catch that... This segment is, hey, we all feel weird sometimes. And it's our moment to embrace the weird in life. The weird. Uh, so we're just going to discuss whatever's on your mind. We asked you guys to send us voicemails on our number 424-262-6824. And we also asked, asked you. Asked you. Asked. We asked you. you English now. <laughs> uh, we asked you to send us messages on crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com. And we got tons of things. It was actually crazy. I mean, I basically tweeted this. You did a wonderful job of retweeting. But I was expecting like one or two things from you guys. But you guys sent us so many amazing questions 
that we are so very willing to answer mm. that I say we just answer them. So without further ado. Go for it. So our first question up. I'm actually super stoked because being someone who works online, you end up making a lot of friends off of your social media like millennials do. And <laughs> I actually made a friend who's wonderful on Tumblr named Rachel, and she's fantastic. Uh, and her username is R-C-A-H if you want to blast her out in a, the most lovingly way. She sent me a message on Tumblr being like, dude, I'm going to send you a question. Please answer it. Right. And I was like, of course, madam. Of course, Rachel. Um, but we're going to answer her question first because we love her and we want to hear what she has has to say. Hey, Arden. It's me, Rachel, a.k.a. Arca. This is weird. I'm talking to my fucking computer. Ooh, sorry. Should I curse? I don't know. Sorry. Um, my question to you is how do you get through a bad date? Because I'm notoriously known for going on the worst dates and then ending in the worst ways. <laughs> so some advice on that. This isn't coherent. I'm going to send it in anyways. Bye. <laughs> this is why I love her. She's so funny. So I guess her her immediate question is, how do you cope with a bad date? What do you do on a bad date? Yeah. Amongst the other things that she said, which were just hilarious. This is why I love her. Like just the way she talks. I'm like, yep, we're internet friends. I, I'm a bad dater. Like, I think I'm a bad date. Well, so before we dated, I, I was notorious for, like, standing people up, going to the wrong coffee shop. Yep. That actually happened to me before we dated. I went on another date, like, probably three months before we started dating. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Wait, which one are you talking about? You were talking to me at the same time, weren't you? I think I was. Was it in Arkansas you went and did that? <gasps> oh my goodness, you remember. So weird. I went on a date. Well, I I went to the wrong coffee shop. So I had been like sitting there waiting for this guy. Nice. And he calls me like out of breath and was like, where, where are you? And I was like, why are you out of breath? Didn't explain that part. <laughs> um, but I was like, I'm at blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you're at blah, blah, blah. You're supposed to be at blee, blah, blue. And I was like. And you weren't at blee, blah, blah. And I wasn't at blee, blah, blue. So he went to blah, 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 out of breath and a little bit angry at me. But then now he won't. He still won't stop texting me. So I must be a bad good date. Yeah, you teased him. Was that you it? You played the game. I. It was so unintentional, though. The game got him. You know. He's the guy that still texts me to this day. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, but I. I also was a bad date to Will. Probably little. Did you guys know? Before we like actually started dating, Will asked me out on a date while we were while he was like randomly in L.A., which was not a normal thing before we started dating. And I stood him up an hour before we were supposed to be on our date. And yeah, he... I got to the coffee shop and uh, I got a text from her. And she was like, I'm not uh, coming. So Granted, I was crying in the shower. Right. So, like, there was emotional turmoil. Yeah. She uh, had just had gone through her breakup, so it was a bit of a weird time. Yeah, it was definitely not a great time. Of course, time I didn't know me. that. So <laughs> I just thought you were, like, the worst person. I'm so sorry. I was the worst. But I you mean, know what? You did play the game well because I... You're so desperate that, to get on with this. I started... Uh, I stopped talking to you after that because I was like, all right, well, she sucks. And then uh, I came back to London and then you, uh, you messaged me. I did. So it was probably all part of your elaborate plan. The crazy thing is it so absolutely wasn't. Right. But you know what? Since this is the first episode of the podcast and like we want to treat you guys, I'll give you a little like insight into the beginning of our relationship. Rebecca Black was the reason why we started dating. I'll be Rebecca Black. I went up to Rebecca when she came over to her house one time and I was like, dude, who the fuck is this British dude that keeps messaging me? His name's Will Darbyshire. I he was tweeting you. Tweeting like, me. I kept tweeting you. Yeah, you kept tweeting me. And it was all sweet stuff. Just wooing you over Twitter. You really were. Well, more than anything, I was like, who the fuck is this? And why does he keep wooing me? Yeah. You were and trying to resist the woo. I don't think I was trying the to. The woo was coming for you. No, I don't think that's what it was. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> but <laughs> she was like, Arden. And I think, I think ultimately what she wanted to say was, he's just as pretentious as you. But she didn't say that. What she did say was... He's so perfect for you. Like, why don't you guys go on a date? Have you watched any of his videos before? 
And I was like, no, I haven't watched any of his videos before. Because I just didn't make it. You were a... missing out. I know. I, I really did. You were missing I, out. <laughs> I was missing out. I was missing out. I'll toot your horn right now. Totally do. I watched your Letter to My Future Wife video because mm. of Rebecca. Rebecca was like, watch this one video. And right. I was like, hmm. So I think I messaged you and was like, do you like Game of Thrones? I don't remember exactly what the segment. Like Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't remember what the exact. No, you know what it was? I said that I really liked your new video. Um, Pitches. Pictures, which is really funny because I probably wanted to say I loved your video, Letter to My Future Wife, but, like, starting off with that is probably really creepy. Mm. Being like, I love what you said to your future wife. Yeah. That's a weird thing to start a conversation with. Yeah. So in lieu of the fact that I was a bad date, I mean, you were the one that had to deal with me being a bad date. Do you have any advice for the people that have to deal with shitty people like me? Probably, like, if they do something shitty – then I guess at least you know that they're not someone you should probably be with. That's a good point. And also, I guess, if they are of importance, they'll probably try and make up for it in some way like you did. True that. And in an even more elementary way, if you're on a bad date, like in the moment, I have been on bad dates before, and I'm, I'm like also a terrible dater. I'm realizing how many flaws I have in the dating realm, but I'm also a terrible dater because I will stay in a bad date like at a coffee shop for like two hours past what I need to stay at because I just – I can't bring myself to end something. Right. And like now that's completely inaccurate and wrong. If you died in a horrible car accident and like in two years I needed to start dating again, I would take no bullshit. I mean that's obviously a terrible – Two years. a cost turnaround. Well, that that's a very long turnaround. Are you kidding? That We've only been dating for less than two years. Morning for like 10 years. Honestly, wearing black entirely all the time. Um, but if that did happen, I would, I would take no bullshit in dates anymore because I realize there's no use in wasting my time or someone else's time on a date that you're not feeling. Mm. And I think that's like the biggest thing is I wasted so much time dating people that I did not give a single fuck about. Only to find someone that I really do give a fuck about. But you need to you need to do those dates in order to find someone you do. For sure, for sure. Like definitely go on the dates. Don't ever limit yourself. And I think especially when it comes to someone who's introverted, like I know you are, Squilliam, going out on dates and forcing yourself to get out of a comfort zone is great. Yeah. But when you are in that situation, and you're if you're not feeling it, you have no obligation to like make it a longer thing than it needs to be. Yeah, and and like. It can't hurt to go on a date because mm-hmm. you like it could be good, it could be bad, and if it's bad, after the date you have to talk, don't have to talk to that person again. Like I've been on bad dates where like I have gone, I'd be like, yeah, this is gonna be great, and then I get there and like it's just bland and boring, and you have nothing to talk about. So I guess the big question that you have to answer when when you're on a bad date is how do I get out of this? Because for me, like I said prior to this, I cannot say no to someone. You know this about me. Mm. I've gotten better about it, but I'm really bad about saying no to someone, and I'm really bad about disappointing someone. So if someone's enjoying a date, even if I'm miserable, I won't make an action to get out of there. Yeah. I just won't. I either won't go in the first place, i.e. what I did to you, which was evil, or I'll get there and I'll stay for four hours. So, like, you as a more definitive person, what would you do to get out of, like, a date? Yeah, but the thing is with me is I like, I would feel so awkward about leaving a date. At what Like, I'm such an awkward person. Yeah. And I, like... Is that actually how our first date went? You were like, oh, I can't leave. And then you just got hooked. No, our first date was really, really, really good. Like, we, yeah, we did have a good first date. We, we had, a, like, a solid, solid first date. It was fine. Yeah. But I guess for people who are having a bad date. You know, I always think in my head of, like, a bad date. Have you seen that Friends episode where, like, Phoebe goes on this date with this guy and he's, like, slightly perverted and he just kind of says, like... Weird stuff. Slightly inappropriate things and it's just enough to make her uncomfortable. Like, he's wearing a a T-shirt that says, like, FBI or something. Female body inspector. And and he's like, yeah, it's, it's for female body inspection. She's like, oh, okay. And then it, like, escalates and it's just... And she just ends up storming off and leaving because it's just awkward. Because but it's just weird. I don't know if there really is the right way to, to go about leaving a date. I mean, I think that you – there's a preparation to a date. So if you feel like this person is not someone you want to have a full meal with, grab drinks. Mm. Like make sure you give yourself an ex- exit strategy in the beginning. Yeah, you're preempting it. Yeah. So if you're like, I don't know. I met this dude on Tinder or this girl on Tinder. Great and all, but we don't know how we feel. Yeah. Or I don't know what his voice even sounds like. Drinks. Because yeah, you can have a drink and leave. Don't commit to like a, 
a sit-down dinner a, or, or a, a theater movie. show or something. Yep. Like that Because theater... that would be so awkward if it was going bad. Yeah. A concert. Yeah. That would be the worst. You know, Who like... would do a first date at a concert? God. Oh, we all, I almost considered it, do you remember? For our one. Oh, my God. Oh but, my then God. I, but then it, it occurred to me that we'd be listening to the music and not have the opportunity to chat properly. Is that why you changed it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Will was originally going to take me to a show. And then he texted me before that. Like, the, I think the day of. But it's just, you know, when you go to those, like, you go to concerts and stuff, you don't really, you're just, like, paying attention to the music and it's loud and, like, you can't really hear each other. You'll say something and I'll be like, what? And then the other person will be like, yeah. What? It, uh, I love yeah, this song. Thanks. What? Yeah, this Can band's great. Can I have great. a drink? Yeah. And then I probably would have just gotten too drunk and really sad. Yeah. And that so that, like, that was the image in my head. Okay. So the idea is don't go to a concert for your first date. Save that for, like, fourth yeah. date material. Don't commit to something too huge unless you're very sure. Very, very sure. Like, even – you know what's crazy? We had even been chatting for, like, a month beforehand and you still were like – we shouldn't do concert. So definitely not something like that for first date. And that helps you with the exit strategy, which is when you're on a date with, with someone that you're like, is that a Nazi symbol on your neck? You can get out really quickly by finishing your drink as quickly as you can and being like, hey, sorry about this, but I have plans with blah, blah, blah. I'm out of here. And if they're weird about it, I think I've also come to a point in my life where I'm like, if someone's weird about something or isn't catching a hint, that's not my fault. So just get out of there. That's that's the primary thing. Yeah. You know, the yeah. moment he starts talking about, like, dating his sister in a past life. And also had a Nazi symbol on his arm. Get out of there. Sounds like a bad date. I know, right? Man, I've been through a couple. Got a few, got to kiss a few frogs until you meet your prince. Am I right? Uh, wow. Me being your prince, because I'm a prince. <clears throat> <laughs> that was good, babe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fine. I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think the only other exit strategy I can think of, if it really is just disastrously wrong and like terrible, one of your friends is dying, your best friend is going into labor. There are so many great excuses you can use. Really, honestly, just start getting creative. Go to the bathroom, have a little brainstorm session for a good five yeah, minutes. brainstorm for a little bit, think about it. Yeah. I mean, and this is obviously a last ditch effort. Don't get ditch fake, someone. Get like one of those fake cool apps. Yeah. And oh. then pick up the phone and be like, oh my god, you are in... Oh my god, my estranged sister has finally come to light and she's missing both of her arms and I need to feed her. Wow. Done. Yeah. I'm and out. And you also have... Puppies. Uh, yeah. There are probably puppies involved. Yeah. So, you know, obviously don't do that if this guy is like a nice guy and you're just lazy and want to get out of there quickly. Mm. But if someone's disastrously wrong, like you may or may not have issued out a date with Lucifer himself then feel free to just straight up ditch. I watched an episode of Girls where I think they crawled through a window to get out. Mm. Like they were in, they went in the bathroom and just crawled through a window and left. Yeah. To be honest, that sounds better than suffering through an incredibly awkward date. Yeah. But then you are you know what the problem is then they're going to text you and I would I would have a hard time responding or not responding. Yeah, that would be difficult. So so case in point Avoid from the beginning setting yourself up with an awkward situation. And then if you do get in an awkward situation, jump out a window. Yeah. That's it. That's it. But know it's a learning experience. And once you get out of it, you can say, I'm never dealing with this type of thing ever again. And if you start getting like a little hint that another person you're about to date is going to be like that, you can nip it in the bud right away. Everything's a learning experience. And I hope that helped you, Rachel, in some, <laughs> in some way. We got there in the end. You're, you're welcome yeah. for that. So we'll go on to another question. Okay, so I really want to get some cheese, but I don't know which kind to get. Should I get American or should I get Parmesan? I just really don't know. So I was wondering if you could help me figure that out. Thank you. <laughs> so we have our first cheese-related question, everybody. Um, you, you're going to be able to help better with this one because I like cheese, but I don't love cheese, whereas you seem to really like cheese. <laughs> love cheese. I do love cheese. I eat a very clean diet most of the time Mm. but the one time that i will just go ham is with a cheese board yeah which is funny because it's ham not cheese you like still you like cheese i in your sleep you're eating cheese i dream about drippy gooey delicious cheese Um, i'm not looking she's scoffing cheese i'm always eating cheese i am finds it somewhere i'm surprised i'm not backed up for days but nice (laughs) nice image (laughs) hey we're getting real on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I. you know what? Between American and Parmesan, it completely depends on what you're having. Like, that's like a very broad 
question American versus Parmesan because if you're asking if you're going to have a backyard burger, which one should I put on it? Obviously American cheese. But if you're going to have some pasta, you need some pecorino or some Parmesan. I feel like American Parmesan. cheese is a bit more versatile than Parmesan. What? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Isn't it? Like American cheese you can make anything with. Parmesan you can't really make a grilled cheese with. So you're only thinking about grilled cheeses then? No, I'm just thinking of other things you could use American cheese for. I mean... You could the- use American cheese for a grilled cheese. You could use American cheese for a burger. You could use it for... Oh, give me a third one. I don't know. Why don't you help me out? Well, that's the thing. I don't think there's much else than that. I think it's a very limiting yeah, no, cheese. You can use an American cheese in, like, an omelette or, like, for But your wouldn't you use Parmesan and... rather than that? Because I think the difference not for, is... Not for something like... Here's, here's my argument for this. American cheese I see as a, a sliced pre-cut cheese. It doesn't give a lot of room for grating or cubing or really any kind of versatility other than putting it on a pre-existing meal like american a burger cheese is, doesn't just constitute a sliced packaged processed american cheese but when do you ever hear someone grating an american cheese we like, didn't grate it but like that would be I'm like sure grating plastic doing it. the only reason i could see if you eating parmesan would be on pasta uh no you could do sliced Slice Parmesan in sandwiches or in a grilled cheese. No, that's totally weird. That's no, it's totally not. Weird. You just have, like, the palate of a six-year-old sometimes. No, you can't. That is crap because I've only heard in my lifetime that Parmesan works on pasta. No way. I've never had Parmesan on a sandwich. No I've way. never had it on a grilled cheese. You have. You just don't know it. No, incorrect. I mean, you can make, you can put Parmesan on a sandwich, <laughs> but do we put Parmesan on sandwiches? I mean, I would. I'm a fancy bitch. You're, <laughs> you're a fancy bitch. I'm just saying... End of the day, I don't have a vendetta against Parmesan cheese. Okay. I like both cheeses. But I'm okay. just saying, generally speaking, like American cheese is like a versatile thing and it's used. This is true. On lots and lots of different things because it's just the go-to cheese. You know what I think that our middle ground here is? What? Let's say cheddar. Cheddar is the middle ground. Cheddar is the middle ground. Okay. Because it can be a slightly American cheese yeah. because you can put it on grilled cheeses, burgers, everything. You can also grate it on chili. Yeah. Like if you're going to go for any cheese... It's got to be a cheddar, a sharp cheddar. Yeah. A sharp white cheddar. Ooh, I really want cheese now. Right. Okay, so that pretty much answers our question. To give you another answer. Cheese debate. Very interesting. I'm surprised we got so into that. Yeah. I'm honestly a little embarrassed. Um, But, 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 you know, still happy about it. But just so you know, if you're going to get any cheese, just get a good goat cheese, a little bit of blueberry jam, and some wheat toast, and you're done. That got real sensual real yeah, fast. Yeah, it got really sensual. It's, you like Gouda as well, don't you? always go on about Gouda. Oh, I love Gouda And you always cheese. go on about... What's that other thing you always go on about? Camembert. Camembert. Mm. Oh. The amount of time, like... You'd be surprised. Yeah, at- it's very <laughs> it's very common for Arden just to be talking about cheese. She will come to me and say, have you seen this cheese? Have you spoken about this cheese? If we see a cheese shop, it's game over. Like, I mean, we're gonna be in I'm stuck in there for, for hours. a while. You yeah. Know? We, we went to this place in London, like a weekend retreat we went to. Recon Matria. It sounds like we're like working in corporate or something. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there was like this really fancy cheese shop there. And I've never seen Arden as happy as she was. Oh my God, I completely forgot about that. She was walking that. around that place. I mean, there's just something about it that just makes me want to devour everything. Amazing. It's like the Ollivanders of, of, cheese. of cheese. That's the, oh my God, Will, that's the best way you can describe it. Yeah, it's like just this like really tall wooden room full of just different cheeses. The cheese chooses the cheese head. That's true. Harry. That's true. Maybe we should make that a Harry Potter themed cheese cheese <gasps> place. Oh my god! Call that cheese anders. Cheese anders. That's interesting. Cheese anders. Or we could just call. I've always wanted to make a cheese shop called Let It Brie. I have a tote bag that says Let It Brie on it. Yeah, that's great. So we could call it Let It Brie, and then we could just have bougie cheeses. Bougie cheeses, but they have to be named after either like a pop culture icon, right? Like, but I'm trying to think about who that would be. Like Brie Olson. Brie Larson. Brie, Brie, Brie Larson. Brie Olson. <laughs> Who's Brie Olson? <laughs> I don't know who Brie Olson is. I think she's a porn star, isn't she, Arden? Is Brie Olson a porn star? Oh, my God. I am watching way too much porn, <laughs> apparently. Well, no. She's, she was, wasn't she the one to be of Charlie Sheen? I'll let you off. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Made that as uncomfortable as possible. Thank you for letting me <laughs> off of my... Apparently, I only know porn stars. Which is funny because Brie Larson is so, so much more of a big deal. Yeah, I didn't... We always get those confused Brie Larson and Brie Larson. <laughs> uh, 
porn stars and, and actual movie stars yeah. are very confusing. Because you know what? <laughs> Fake tits are abundant. So who knows which one's which anymore? <laughs> no, I Brie Larson. Yeah. That I guess it could also be Brie Olsen if it's like a real, there's real no one called There's cheese. no one called Cheddar. Cheddar. No. That, that's it. You know, that's my vocabulary on cheese. It's Cheddar. Sharp. It could be Ed, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Cheddars. Yeah. Sharp Cheddar. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think here. Yeah. Camembert. Yogi Bear. Cam- Camen Yo- Yogi, Yogi Bear. Camembert. It's just awful. Isn't it's it? terrible. terrible. You know what? Scrap this whole idea. It's We're terrible. So at coming bad. Up with Let it breathe. It's not going to be a thing anytime soon. <laughs> You'll have to send us what we need to name our cheeses in our cheese shop. Yeah. Let it breathe. Send us puns. Yep. Cheese puns. We love cheese puns. Maybe we'll feature them in the next episode. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see what That's happens. That's a new segment. Cheese puns. It's called cheese puns. Let's get cheesy. Cheesy. Woo! Good job, everybody. Nice. Nailed it. So we just went off on a crazy cheese tangent. Yeah. Let's bring it home. So. We have another question. The last question. We're going to try answer yes and unsuccessfully uh, probably but maybe you know we try our best yeah. this one's going to be a doozy just so everyone knows so stay stay grounded in this and then we'll try to explain as best we can afterwards after we ourselves try to process this okay ready hi will and arden i need some advice about how to deal with and get over a crush I'm in a long-term committed relationship, and I love my boyfriend. I know having a crush while in a relationship is normal, but in this case, it's bad because I have a crush on my boyfriend's best friend, who is my best friend's ex. Wow. I, of course, would never act on this, but I just need some advice on how to get over this crush. Also, I feel like these feelings could indicate that there are some other things I need to work on with myself or my relationship. I love you guys, and thanks in advance. Thanks, Taylor. So she... She is dating a boyfriend... This boyfriend yes. has a best friend. He has a best friend. He has a best friend. This best friend yeah. is dating that girl's best friend. I'm already confusing myself. It's two best friends. Two right? best friends. So it's like you and your guy best friend. Yeah. You guys meet these two wonderful wonderful right. girls yeah, out on course. the street. Cool. Those two wonderful girls are best friends too. They're best friends too. And so you guys it's pair like a up. It's sitcom, isn't it? Yeah. You guys just have a little quad. That you guys go hang out with. But the problem is that your girlfriend loves your best friend. Right. So she she loves her boyfriend's best friend. Yes. Right. <laughs> that got so confusing. And it's not even over yet. There's one more aspect <laughs> okay, to it. Okay, go. That person that she has a crush on yeah. is no longer dating her best friend. Oh, crap. So it's an ex. Right. She's doing something wrong on two fronts. So, it's, yeah, it's her boyfriend's friend and it's also her girlfriend's Her friend, best friend. Her friend's girlfriend's friend. Her friend, girlfriend, uh, <laughs> ex-boyfriend, <laughs> ex-boyfriend. Yeah, okay. Is, is anybody actually getting that? We got that. I, that uh, we that's did a it. film, isn't it? It call is. It, like, we'll call it foursome. You know what? Though I feel like this is something that I experienced in my younger years. Like I remember having these kind of issues when I was like sixteen, seventeen, and I would like have a boyfriend, but. I didn't really want to have a boyfriend, so I would just be looking for something else the entire time. And maybe this is a similar situation where it's like she started dating this dude because her best friend started dating a dude that was friends with this dude. Mm. So they all start hanging out. And then the moment they break up, it's like, oh, my gosh, our quattro is out. Now we're just a duo. And I don't know if I I can handle this duo. Yeah. So now I have a crush on this other dude. Well, I think probably the big thing is (laughs) – we should give them names. So right. um, she she's going to be called Joanna. Really? Yeah, she's called Joanna. And then Got her it. boyfriend is called Rupert. Rupert and Joanna. So Rupert and Joanna. So Rupert's best friend is called Sean. Okay. So Joanna and Rupert and Sean. So does Sean like Joanna? These mm. these are the questions we should be asking. Now, yeah, is he reciprocating these feelings? Like, is he being flirty with her? Because now he's outside of a relationship. Yeah. He's already comfortable with her because they've been hanging out like, for does a he, while. Does he dig her or does he not dig her? I don't know. And you know what? Ultimately, Joanna needs to have an honest conversation with Rupert and be like, listen, bro, I love you. Listen, Rupee. Listen, Rupe. We're trying to figure out how to make this work. We love each other. Yeah. That's wonderful. But maybe I'm polyamorous because I kind of feel something for this other guy. I don't think he's polyamorous. <laughs> I don't think that's the weird spin on this. Like, I think that's quite what I we're think going. we might have to open up a little bit. No, I think. <laughs> she, 
she probably needs to gauge that first before she says she does anything. Because at the end of the day, you can't help who you love. Is that what you tell yourself every morning when you roll over and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, I'm like, can't help us. <laughs> Let's just, we'll stick with it, though. Um, Already in this deep. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's... Uh, and then she needs to... If Sean... No, Sean. If Sean does like... Are you forgetting their names If Sean now? does like Joanna, then Joanne needs to run it by her best friend, Kara. Kara and Kara needs to be like, yo, I don't know if I'm cool with this or I am cool with this. It's down to C C Dog. Kara needs to verify if that's good or not. Okay, so I'm gonna boil this down and make it a little bit more simple for myself. I'm gonna digest this a little bit more simply. Go for it. So Joanna needs to talk to to Kara or Kara and just be like, hey, bro. Kara, not Kara. Okay, well, let me just let's solve thought one we, issue thought, at a time. What we've been through. This. One issue at a time, yeah. Will. So. She needs to go to Kara. And, you know, she's her best friend. Like, she needs to go and have this conversation anyways and just be like, bro, I'm having some crazy weird feelings. Yeah. On top of that, I'm sure she can help her give a little bit perspective on the whole boyfriend issue, too. Like, talk to your best friend about that. Like, if you're feeling weird and you're like, I don't know, maybe I should be dating someone else, it might be your ex-boyfriend. That's kind of an uncomfortable conversation Also, fundamentally, at the end of the day, if you you are crushing on uh, Sean, then you need to just be like, yo, Rupert, I'm not feeling this anymore. And, uh, and you know, let yourself open a little bit. And, because, you know, you shouldn't be in a relationship with someone you don't, you're not really 100% with. Yeah. You should, either way, get out of that, and then you can work on old Shawnee baby. Shawnee baby. Sean, and Sean's surname is... No, not important. Collins. Nope, we're Sean not going to remember, Collins. we are not remembering And actually, names. Sean has a silent F in it. Because why not? I don't know where that F would be. Well, that's why it's a weird name. <laughs> you know where the F is? Right here. Oh. I just flipped him off. Nice. Just so you know, in studio, I just flipped my own boyfriend off. Wow. Well, because I was trying to make a pun with the F, so I was just going to make it yeah, like an F. I feel, like we've, I feel like we've gone away from what we're meant to be talking yes. about. Yes. Okay, so basically what we're saying is just chat it out. Talk to your boyfriend. Yeah. Talk to the ex-boyfriend. Be open about this. If you're not in the relationship, gal of it. If you still keen on old Sean... Work your way and gauge it off other people and see if it's... Are you talking about Sean or Rupert at this point? Sean. She you seem to... to really love Sean, but poor Rupert is over here with this girlfriend. Well, you know, she if she doesn't like if she doesn't like Rupert, then she used to get out of that relationship, right? No, I agree, but also, you know, do your due diligence with Rupert. Don't well, just we don't know Rupert. How, we don't know how long they've been together. This is true. We don't know the context of the relationship. They might have met last week. But they seem like they're people kind of a quad. We're in a, mo- we're in a fast world. I don't know if that's... Okay, so we're done here. Basically, communication is key. I think that's what we've both been trying to get across this entire time. Communication is key. Talk it out. Just be honest with the situation. Be honest with your feelings. If anything, in our day and age, we live in a time where being honest about your preferences and your feelings is something glorified and wonderful. So just be honest. Yeah. The heart wants what it wants, but don't be a dick about that. Basically. I need that on a t-shirt. That's it. The but, heart wants what the heart wants, but don't be a dick about it. Yeah. Done. All right, guys. So I think we are winding down this episode. I hope you enjoyed the first of what hopefully will be a very long and amazing... And intellectual. ...podcast journey that we're going to sexy. Take sexy. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not prudish. Yeah. We'll, we'll go anywhere with this. I'm dancing right now. Oh, she is. Oh, I'm shaking wish, my hips. Wish you wouldn't. <laughs> but... One of the great things about this podcast that, once again, I'm just going to reemphasize is that we want you guys to be a part of this just as much as we are. So make sure that if you have a question for us or you want to tell us the weirdest thing about yourself or share your biggest or smallest accomplishments of this week, whatever it is, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at crashonmycouchshow at gmail.com or call us at 424-26-COUCH. That's 424-262-6824. And just so you know... If you want to remain anonymous, you can let us know when you write in or call in. And you can also tweet us. Uh, or you could handles. call in with, like, you could change your voice, which could be really interesting. But you're only allowed to use the Batman voice. Yeah, you can You can either be Batman or you can be Piers Brosnan or Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery. Oh, hello there. Okay, as we try to do a terrible yeah. Sean Connery. Nice. Effort. But seriously, though, please call with a Piers Brosnan or a 
Actually, no, Sean Connery. Just do a Sean Connery one. Any any Bond you want to be, you can, you can be only Bond. be Bonds or yeah. Batman. Bonds or Batman. Those are the two things you can do. So call in and mask your voice. That could be a fun thing, actually. It will try and guess your impression as you're saying your <gasps> thing. That's great. As long as we can still understand what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure that we get your question out so that we can say that Sean Connery was wondering about bondage sex. Just let us know. Yeah. Uh, or you can also tweet us at Arden Rose and at Will Derbyshire with the hashtag crash on my couch if you want us to answer any of your questions there which would be wonderful yes also make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes rate and leave a review let us know how amazing it was let us know what your favorite segment was and on that note thank you for joining us in the first episode of crash on my couch yay boom we did it and uh, we'll be back next week we'll so, be back next week yeah make sure to tune in and thank you for listening to us bye 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 Bye. 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 It's American. Bye. Bye. Can we end it like that every single time? Yeah. Great. Thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, producer, Emma Kikuchi, my manager, Byron Ashley, and for production assistance from Alan Ortega. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.